I was convinced that I wanted to go to university and be a lawyer and was really studious, which was good to develop, but away from my nature, which was play and fun and learning for the sake of being curious rather than the curriculum that was required. And then a switch just flipped when I was 16 and I decided to get into like circus performing. I became friends with chainsaw jugglers and pierced weightlifters. Are you feeling lost in the chaos of the world and sure of your path forward? Do you yearn for a life of freedom and joy, but feel trapped by societal norms and expectations? Look no further than this episode of the We Are Already Free podcast, featuring the insightful and inspiring Shannon Michaela Jones. When you hear We Are Already Free, what comes up for you? Pure change. It's a shift in awareness. It's the ultimate truth, isn't it? Getting out of the matrix. We have a choice. Joy. Nature. I am more powerful than I realize I am. Human beings are so powerful. The answers are in being a conscious being. Spiritual beings living a human body experience. It's simple. It's here and it's now. You don't have to go out and find it. Eat real food. Just shine in your light so bright. We're already free. You're free. You are a walking map. Have always been free. You are always free. Already free. We are already free. Welcome to We Are Already Free, the podcast inspiring down-to-earth seekers to live a meaningful life right now. I am Nathan Maingard, empowering wordsmith, transformational guide, breathwork and cold immersion facilitator, and your host, bringing you authentic conversations with delightful guests who defy society's norms simply by living authentic lives. Listen to this podcast to shake off limiting beliefs and embrace the freedom within so you can deeply connect with yourself and all you love. In this episode, Shannon shares her journey from good student to circus performer to global citizen, offering valuable insights and practical advice for anyone seeking to break free from the norm and live life on their own terms. She discusses the power of play and the importance of prioritizing fun, as well as the challenges and benefits of living abroad and embracing unconventional paths. But perhaps most importantly, Shannon speaks to the fear and uncertainty of a rapidly changing world, the need to unlearn old programming and beliefs, and the struggle to find our authentic selves in the face of societal pressure. Through her own experiences, she offers hope and inspiration for anyone seeking a more joyful and fulfilling life. Shannon is actually the world record holder for foot archery. I'll share a link to some of the things she can do while doing handstands and foot archery. And I mean, it beggars belief the, the level of skill that she's developed in this area of extreme and supreme fun. So don't miss this powerful episode of the We Are Already Free podcast and join us on the journey to a life of freedom and joy. Shannon shares about embodying joy and living your best life, birth tourism, collecting passports legally, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, using social media to spread truth and impact lives. And near the end, Shannon shares an interesting perspective on climate change. So listen out for that. And this, of course, only scratches the surface. A huge thank you to my sponsor for this episode, Zencaster, the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. I've saved countless hours since I moved over to their platform. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or already have a podcast, but maybe struggle with the time and the technicalities of getting good recordings, I personally recommend Zencaster. Zencaster's modern podcasting stack allows you to do everything you need for your podcast, from record to publish in one place. I particularly love how it allows me to record in the best quality, 
even though the internet connection in my off-grid solar-powered studio is not the most stable. So thank you, Zencaster, for solving that problem for me. Go to Zencaster.com, that's Zen, C-A-S-T-R.com forward slash pricing, and use my code, we are already free, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Before we begin, I want to congratulate Shannon and her partner on the birth of their son, born in between the recording and release of this episode. I'm honored to have been witness to the maiden-to-mother journey of Shannon. Thank you so much, Shannon, for sharing your journey with us. Please find links to Shannon, the retreats she hosts in Costa Rica, our bonus chat, and more in the show notes at alreadyfree.me slash 38. For now, please enjoy this episode, and thank you for being here. How have you managed to maintain so much fun in your life? You hold the world, Guinness World Record for foot archery and like yeah, shooting yeah. a balloon while on a skateboard, doing a handstand, moving. And like, I mean, it's, it's, it's astonishing to me that anyone would think, you know what, I'm going to dedicate like so much time to this. And I say that in, with utmost admiration. So like, how have you prioritized so much fun in your life and what has it taken for you to, to do that? Yeah, great question. It's certainly been a long, a long journey. I'd say that most of us have this desire to have fun in their lives, you know, as a child. And through traditional schooling, I really, like, got to a point where I, like, was losing touch with that aspect of myself. I can, looking back, really recall feeling less childlike and less fun when I reached, you know, 12, 13, 14, and just more into the routine. I was convinced that I, like wanted to go to university and be a lawyer it was just like really studious which was good to develop but kind of away from my nature which was just like play and fun and learning for the sake of being curious rather than like the curriculum that was required and then yeah a flick uh, a switch just flipped when I was 16 and I decided to get into like circus performing because I'd previously done gymnastics and that exposed me to like a whole world of like fun. Like I, I became friends with like chainsaw jugglers and pierced weightlifters and that exposed me to groups of people that were doing like social media full time and teaching meditation. And I was just like all of a sudden like exposed to way more options than school um, necessarily offered. And I saw these different paths that I could go down. Um, and from that point onwards, like I still kept up with my studies and whatever, but you know, I began uh, exploring more and um, performing more and dabbling in busking and traveling around in the car and was just like more adventurous and fun connecting to that childlike playful self that was always there that I just forgot about. <laughs> so there's a reason I asked you about that and it's because I have, so man, it's a bit of context for you because we don't know one another and I'm very excited to be meeting you. So thank you for coming on. It's super rad. So I've been a songwriter and a, and a writer, a lover of lyrics and words for my entire life. And I started writing songs when I was about 15. At some point I became a professional musician, uh, also busking here and there, playing music, etc. Um, but for whatever reason, that wasn't like the core thing that was calling me forward. And I've had to go through massive dark night of the soul and death of the old self to be reborn into my current self which is yeah you like oh i know how that feels um yeah, but the, yeah. 
<laughs> the current self is is really I realized that part of what I was missing in the music was that the music is always a medicine music about service and transformation and connection. And so I needed to move into more of that in my own life. And now I include the, so I do coaching and I, a part of that is still creativity and poetry and songwriting and, and supporting people in, in improving their, their personal mythologies because we are all running personal mythologies and those, whether those are empowering or disempowering, that kind of dictates how our lives turn out. But all that being said, I have shifted into a more empowered state in the last recent while, connecting more to my warrior and my king, and I'm practicing that and showing up for that. And what's happening is I've noticed that I, I'm actually realizing I struggle to connect with authentic joy because I'm so focused on, and not joy, I feel joyful a lot of the time. I feel satisfied. I feel like I'm doing a good job and I'm enjoying myself in that way. But I've lost that like childlike spur of the moment. Oh, let's just do this because it's fun kind of thing, at least at this moment. And that's, I think, one of the things that called me to you and wanted me to, like why I wanted you on this podcast is I see that in you. I see that that thing of that beautiful human thing of like, let's just do this because it's fun. Anyway, so so do you have like, because you also abandoned the circus at some point, right? So I, I'm curious to hear like, <laughs> you first, you, you like, I flipped a switch and went, right, I'm going to be in the circus. And then you flipped another switch and went, abandon that and now you're on this whole other path that's that's quite well very outside of of what society tells us is allowed and okay and truthful and all the rest and you're living this life of like freedom and sovereignty and i'm curious to know what were the pivotal moments that inspired you either to first join the circus and then also to leave the circus like what were those switch points for you oh i can totally resonate with like <laughs> what you were saying about like, being the performer being the artist and like that being your identity and how necessary it is to like completely uh, go in the opposite direction to <laughs> have that design. Um, yeah, I think well, one of the reasons why I chose to get into circus performing, and I was I was a street performer as well, so I had a forty-minute show where I was mic'd up, and you know, you get your little circle, and you do uh, speaking and new tricks, and then you have the audience, and you're familiar with it. But people, a lot of people don't know there's like a whole subculture of like drink performers that travel around and like do this thing and I think what attracted me the most initially to that lifestyle was like the freedom and the sovereignty of it um because yeah you had the I had the ability to make money wherever I wanted to in the world and you know that level of freedom and not depending on anyone else for your income is like huge <laughs> um it can be really empowering for sure um and then also as a performer, like the street performing versus doing like uh, a show for somebody else was also like another aspect of freedom because when you're like doing a circus show and you're being hired by a company, you know, they have like the role that they want you to play. Whereas if you're on the street just doing your own act, you can swear if you want to, you can like say whatever you want to and you're responsible ultimately of like your own character and the environment that you are creating. Um but then that evolved into, like, um, I think a lot of artists face this, when your passion turns into your source of income, it can kind of dwindle the creativity of it. So <laughs> <laughs> brutal. And then I realized, that, like, my whole identity was, like, about the things that I could do and not so much about the things that I um, felt to be true in my heart and the things that I wanted to say and then yeah so I was already kind of having those realizations and my dad 
he's really into music, um, but it's always been a hobby throughout his life and he just would always make fun of me and say, you know, I put more freedom with my art than you do because he doesn't have any attachment to money um, making. Mm. So, so that got me thinking. And then, and please tell me if I'm rambling, if this is too much. <laughs> no, no, you're on it. I'm in. <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and the whole arts industry was like absolutely destroyed. <laughs> there was like no foresight of when things would return and, you know, you had to be vaccinated in order to like do shows when they did return. And, um, yeah, I was just in a little bit of a muck because I didn't know, like I, I dedicated like six years of my life to doing this thing that was no longer like an essential service. And um, yeah, I was so confused. I didn't know what I was going to do from that point onwards. And I was like a receptionist for a while. And then I worked to like an ice cream shop and just like completely reskilled, uh, <laughs> reskilled, went into hospitality basically when things returned, which then led me to posting on TikTok, like my circus skills. Because, you know, it was the perfect platform, really. I knew people were making money online and, you know, I would see other girls, like, doing the splits and going viral and thinking, you know, I can do way cooler stuff than, than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the pandemic led me to posting online, which kind of blew up my account on TikTok initially. Like, my first video got, like, 18 million views, which was just a lucky <laughs> break. Like, I'm, it was just right place, right time, right video. Um, so when I first jumped online, these online spaces, I was purely only posting like circus tricks. And then the comments that I would get, um, like for my archery videos, they're all very much the same. Well, you know, it's so inspiring. It's really cool what you do. How long have you been doing it for? And I would just get like the same comments and the same questions over and over and over again, which I was grateful for a hundred percent that initial audience, um, was just like, oh, this isn't. Like, I've got more to my personality than what I can do. I'm more than just, like, the tricks that I've developed and the skills that I've learned. And then that led me to kind of drifting a little bit away from posting so much of the circus stuff online and instead being really selective with it and instead, you know, sharing a bit more of, like, my beliefs and the reconnecting with the freedom and the sovereignty, which has always been there along this journey and kind of doing a little bit more with the impact and the reach that I have in my online communities than just like, look at me, look at this like trick that I can do. <laughs> I'm just not making it my whole identity. So that was like a lot, sorry about that. But <laughs> You are all point. good. It's, a, it's an interesting story. And I, I think for, for all of us now who are navigating the death and rebirth of society, of everything we've ever known, you know, all of us being raised in this dis-ease culture that has said, follow daddy, follow mommy, we'll take care of you. We have your best interests at heart. Meanwhile, it's left so many of us disenfranchised and and sick and like feeling like there has to be more to life. So I appreciate your story and I invite you to just enjoy telling it because it's beautiful. And I know that someone is listening right now and going, holy shit, like this is, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. Interesting you talk about, like, I think it's such a good way to get information out. It's almost like you memed yourself, you know, you created because of this, this unique skill that you have, you created content that had like tells a massive story. Like there's a very particular story to seeing someone doing a handstand on a moving skateboard, shooting a fucking bow with their feet. Like that is not a, it's not something so I could ever just scroll past to be like, ah, whatever. It's like, what the, f 
fuck am I seeing? This is ridiculous. This is amazing. And, uh, and so then taking that, like my friend Roman, uh, Ricardo, he's, he, he does this, he calls himself an artivist and he writes, he's a very, very good songwriter and he's been writing songs about personal power and about spirituality and connection and like showing up in sovereignty. He's been doing that for years. And when the pandemic or the lockdown specifically hit, he started writing these like one minute snippet songs about like one song is why are we still listening to Bill Gates? And it, and it went viral and, and like, and it's a fucking great tune and, it, and it's so catchy. And he's, and, and so then a lot of people were saying to him like, oh, you're just jumping on the bandwagon or whatever. And, and he's like, dude, I've been writing about this kind of stuff for years. But what he did is he realized he could use something that would just catch people, get that moment of like shock and awe. And now his message has spread so much further. He's playing beautiful shows in Portugal. He's like got a much bigger following who are now people who are now listening to a beautiful brother and as well to your beautiful sister who is speaking truth to the world, to people. And so anyway, I'm just honoring you for that. So freaking claim it, own it. You're doing great. I'm into it. <laughs> the internet is such a crazy, powerful place and short form content has just like revolutionized how you're able to get the message out. And it can be so... Um, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, these TikTok algorithms and how they're <laughs> like competing to suck away as much time as possible. But, you know, if you can uh, learn how they work, you can definitely use it to your advantage. And like you said, uh, spread truth and get, get the message out there in a much larger scale than if you were to create like a longer form YouTube video. If it's like how short, how concise, how catchy can you, yeah, relay the information that you want to get out there into the world. It just feels like a bit of a game. Um, but yeah, really cool that basically anyone can just go viral overnight and then just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. do the bonar. You've got all the eyes on you. Like my channels are getting between like 40 to 60 million impressions a month, which is just like nuts. <laughs> like, you know, Look at me, look at the, the bow and arrow trick, and then it translates into, oh, let me tell you about, <laughs> yeah, like the lockdowns of fluoride or <laughs> like right. using a to like uh, create these conversations. Well, let's let's talk about that a bit more. I mean, I'm curious because you do have this, you know, you got a massive following and you are using your influence to touch on specific topics. When you said in your intake form, I was curious to know, did you mean birth tourism or was it birth comma tourism? Because you said birth tourism as one. And I'm like, is that actually birth tourism? Because if so, I really want to know what birth tourism is. And you also said health and wellness, et cetera. So I'd love to hear, like, I don't know, kind of what got you into exploring these areas and 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 how do they relate to how you want to live a sort of free and a sovereign life? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, birth tourism is something that I've really been delving into since falling pregnant. I'm uh, 35 weeks now at the moment, so... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the time is nearing. The portal is right in front of my eyes. <laughs> um, I guess over the past few years, this concept of being a global citizen has really emerged um, because of various reasons, you know, the pandemic, um, the lockdowns, like people wanting to escape but not necessarily like being able to leave their, their home country. So, um, and there's also a thing called flag theory where, you know, at the moment, most people have like their business, their investments, their residency, their citizenships, like all in one country, which can kind of be a negative thing if you're at the mercy of just like one restriction. 
jurisdiction, sorry, um, well, this idea of, like, collecting passports and setting up bases around the world is, like, an avenue to freedom and sovereignty to some degree um, because tribal freedom does equal personal freedom. Previously, I thought that that was only, like, an opportunity for the wealthy. There are countries where you can gain citizenship and get an extra passport, but they require, like, a $150,000 investment into the country's real estate and that's like per person. So it seemed like this massive barrier to entry to get started on that journey of collecting passports. Or, you know, um, maybe like your parents have are like British citizens and then their citizenship can pass down, but, you know, you can't really control that. It's just like a luck of the, luck of the draw. And then I started researching into birth tourism, which is another form of immigration. And the term it falls under is just solely, which means that if you have a child born on the soil, they become essentially a citizen of that country. And then by that route, the parents are citizens by descent. So there are like 31 countries in the world currently that offer birthright citizenship, this form of immigration. There are some first world countries, first world people don't really like these terms, but it's like America, Canada. And then some more developing countries like um, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Brazil in between, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you essentially travel abroad, give birth to the baby, they become a citizen, and then the parents become automatic residents with a pathway to citizenship. You're essentially collecting a passport. Then it is a form of investment, form of immigration. Yeah. You have officially just blown my mind. <laughs> that's fucking crazy that's so cool that's great to know about i'm gonna look more into that what a what a trip yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm writing a little uh informational product about it at the moment so in a few months time that'll be ready and i'll be able to to share more because there's really not that much information online about it and um like the reality of the situation isn't all uh it, sometimes the information online is not as accurate, so it's hard to like do the research and find the resources to like commit to doing something like you know moving across the globe for a passport. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, certainly something to consider if you are pregnant <laughs> or you know, if you're Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. And it's interesting while you were speaking, I I thought of one of the the sort of I don't know what to call this, but it's almost like ancestral missing. Like I miss things that I've never experienced. And one of those things is that I know my ancestors were nomadic and that I would have been in a tribe where we followed a certain route or, or routes every year that were seasonal that followed like when's the food going to be best on the coastline? When's the weather going to be nice? And we and we didn't need to own anything. I know this is in my case many thousands of years ago. I don't know when my family would have been doing that, but I miss that. And that's part of what I enjoyed about being a traveler. And then within the context of our current societal sort of consciousness it's like travel itself is quite extractive it's like we're taking you know we're flying in these big metal machines over the oceans of the earth and and this it's like but it also harkens back to a time of that kind of like when i hear you speaking i get that little ache where it's like oh man just to be that free again and interestingly enough, I've kind of swung to the opposite now where I'm rooting. Currently, we're building a house and we bought a piece of land in a little eco-village in South Africa and and feeling like getting more of a rooted in place thing. And I don't know whether that will last or not. I don't know what's going to last at this point. Everything is up for, for up for like questioning right now. But I just hearing you, 
I see that modern connection to that ancient desire for liberty in motion. Mm, yeah, beautiful. I think there's um, definitely room for both, both being rooted and both an explorer, different seasons. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump like sideways across sort of topics that you are really knowledgeable about, or that at least you seem from my perspective to be knowledgeable about one of them being Bitcoin, <laughs> which you are really into, like you love Bitcoin. I think you even did something recently, you may have done multiple, but I'm pretty sure I saw one where you said Costa Rica is cool because they accept Bitcoin all over the place. And um, yeah, I was, yeah, I thought, I thought so. Okay. So I'm curious to know what you think the benefits are of cryptocurrency for those who are looking for a more authentic life in these times and and then specifically how has adopting Bitcoin impacted your life personally? Well, I'm still very much on my learning journey about Bitcoin and what is money and this exchange of energy. Um, but the more I'm learning about it, the more I'm just like consistently blown away. And there's a lot of people that are really passionate about Bitcoin and the tech side of things. But what attracted me was like, Again, the freedom, the sovereignty aspect of it, having money that is like untouchable, essentially from the government's untraceable and trackable. Um, I guess it comes back to the pandemic again, where you know they're restricting bank accounts for, for participating in protests against the against the mandates, and you know you could be fined for protesting and all the the digital id stuff <laughs> like they're able to they were able to track you and it, it was pretty impactful in australia but you know you hear these stories in canada as well and it's like it kind of made me realize that i wasn't as uh, truly free as i once thought that i was and the fact that these governments have so much control over your money is is not necessarily a good thing. So it's like, what is the alternative? Um, Bitcoin, I think, is the freedom money. There's this very clear push towards um, CBDCs and digital currencies where the governments are going to like essentially fade out cash and then replace with this digital system. And Bitcoin is like the alternative that is fighting away from the CBCD, CBDC narrative that they are definitely implementing. Um, I guess, yeah, inflation obviously is a, is a huge thing. You know, the dollar is like being, uh, fading into oblivion. <laughs> so what is the alternative, you know, property, gold, silver, Bitcoin, that is kind of what made it desirable to me in the first place. Like if your money's in the bank, you know, you're losing money, you know, they've got control, they've got access over it. And the whole reason why we moved over to Central America was to document how Bitcoin was being adopted in these parts of the world <laughs> because, you know, we're still so early and so many people don't um, have that reference that, like, Bitcoin can be used as a currency and it is being used in communities here in Costa Rica. Like, you can... I, in the zone that I'm living at the moment, it is called the, the Bitcoin jungle. And essentially you can pay for your meals basically at every restaurant here. You can buy things in Bitcoin. You can purchase things at the supermarket, get your local produce, the farmer's market, taxis, hotels. Like it's being used as a currency here in El Salvador. They've made it legal tender. So it's like a legal currency there as well. And the same thing is happening. And, you know, 
we think it's really interesting to come to these places and seeing how it's practically being used and bringing power and freedom back to these communities. More specifically, like in these parts of the world, the banking systems are pretty pretty crappy (laughs) like you regularly see locals lining up for like two three hours at the bank and you know there's only one atm in town and it has like a ten dollar atm fee um to get money out and that's if it is even like working or not um we were talking to locals who had stories about giving house deposit money to the banks and they would just like lose it how do you send money from me to you over in South Africa without like significant fees or it it's just making the peer-to-peer transactions a lot more simpler less transactional fees I'm just going on and on and on tangents aren't I no no this is the important stuff I I think because I don't know much about it and I also feel like a lot of people I know we like know about Bitcoin but and I have friends who are so into Bitcoin and and people I respect but so far it's just felt it's felt too distant and I think in my mind, like I'm always comparing it to, oh, it's like an you like buy it and you hope it gets worth more so you can m- make it back into mo- dollars and then you have more money than you started with. But what I'm hearing from you and what I'm picking up in general is like, there's a, actually one of my friends. He's like, dude, when you start spending Bitcoin to buy things, that's when you kind of start to understand the difference, not just using it as a way to store value, but as a way to actually make exchange outside of the old system. So that's what I'm hearing from you. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, totally. It can totally be used as a either or. Some people feel very passionately about the fact that it should just be a store of value, whereas, you know, if you come to these communities, they see it as like an amazing alternative to like cash on the dollar. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I have so many directions I want to take this in. That's the, the challenge of three dim- <laughs> three-dimensional reality is I have to make a choice. So what was that? I need to get better at like concisely explaining my points. I can just ramble. No, I don't consider. I would. I would be curious to challenge you on that. Like, that concept of what rambling is. There's a beautiful um, comic that I'll actually. Sh- I'll see if I can track it down and share it with you afterwards. And actually, I'll put it in the show notes as well for for the lovely listener. But uh, it's basically don't say sorry if you want to say thank you. And so it had. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I almost did it again. Yeah, it's just something that people, the universe just keeps sending that message through various people. Like, stop saying sorry, stop apologizing. It's fine, there's room, there's space. Yeah. It's a big lesson, though. I mean, I think so many of us have had to learn that one. I'm still learning that one, and it's a beautiful practice. I love words. I love speaking, and oftentimes I will just go into a whole rant about something I'm excited about. And the practice is at the end of that to pause and just say, thank you for listening. And (laughs) give a little chuckle, because I'm a bit sheepish, because I love to speak. So so it's like that's the – instead of – you know, because it's creating a, a sort of unwritten contract. If at the end of when you've said something that you're passionate about and you really care about and you're excited to share it, however you share it, and then at the end of that, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. You've kind of made a contract that I didn't agree to necessarily or that the listener didn't agree to. And so you have a choice there to make a different contract, which is to assume that I'm listening because I'm enjoying what you're saying and I'm just grateful to be here with you. Mm, yeah, definitely noted. Uh, it. <laughs> definitely a rabbit hole when you dissect what words really mean um like an example the other day i was talking to my landlord um 
And she just told me, stop saying that you understand. Just tell me that you, you understand what I'm saying. She doesn't want to have that um, like hierarchy when you're standing under someone, like listening to them, you're giving them this like authority and this power, whereas understand feels more like they're both mutually on this same level. And it's just one word, one example of the many that we use in our vocabulary that just like uh, sweep over our heads or we just blindly accept without realizing like the power that we're giving to these words that means so much. Yes, I just have been practicing that. So the, I find that I go through phases with different words. So the one that most recently has been coming for me is trying. And I'm getting much, much better now. Often I'll catch myself before I even say it. But if I do say it, then I can shift it because it has a synonym. Trying can also be practicing. It's the same thing, but it has a different, totally different uh, intention and, and power to it. So when I say, you know, I'm, instead of I'm trying to do this thing, it's like I'm practicing and so suddenly it's like, wow, I'm already successful because in just practicing is success. So yeah, anyway, that's the word for me currently. Do you have any words that you're particularly like playing around with right now? Mm, not at the moment. I think I, I, yeah, it was just the other day that she mentioned the understand ones. That's something that I'm trying to break the habit of. Um, and then the please and the thank you. <laughs> please, thank you. Uh, the apologizing excessively is something that I'm working on currently. Yeah. And what do you think that apologizing, do you have a sense of what that's connected to for you? What do you feel like you're apologizing for? Uh, I think I'm just trying to practice taking up space and allowing myself the time to say what it is that I need to say. And I think it's just developed from habit or some kind of people pleaser tendency um that you know gets drilled into you through like the schooling system or some kind of competitive sport or something yeah i think now it's mostly habit yeah I feel, where did I, I read that somewhere that most of what we do or maybe it was joe dispens or something by the time we're an adult most of our thoughts on a daily basis are just habit the things that we think and we run in our minds is literally just automatic that there's not a like 98% or some ridiculous amount. And that's the big, that's the big gift that we have. The opportunity is to practice a different habit set. And I mean, I'd love to know this about you. So to, to set a Guinness world record and to do the things that you do, I mean, you must have a, a level of commitment to your practice that I would love to, to sort of embody more of in myself. Do you have a sense of, of what it is that you connect to or how is it that you have maintained such a, a level of dedication to the things that you care about? I don't know if it's like an aspect of just my personality or whether it's something neurological, but I just get really like obsessive and I like, um, I don't know if obsessive is the right word because it doesn't have like the nicest connotations towards it, but I just really enjoy like routine and habit and doing things um structurally at the same time as like I like completely uh, avoiding them as well you know I, I I don't know I like there's certain little traits in my life where I could just like eat the same thing uh every day for the next like two years and not get tired of it or I could just do the same level of like training and know exactly how it is and that like um journey of self-mastery is something that I've always kind of um, enjoyed or been drawn to. But yeah, I'd say it largely just has to do with my like personality. I tend mm. to like that. 
<laughs> those tasks of repetitiveness. Interesting. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. So I had to just look up because I'm I'm such a fan of etymology. I think etymology gives a great insight into where we've come from as far as speaking and words go. Like it gives gives the sense of what the root is. And obsess from the Latin uh, is to watch closely, to besiege, to occupy, to stay, to remain, to abide, and literally to sit opposite to. So in a sense, when I hear that, I think, wow, what a beautiful thing to sit opposite to the things we care about so much that we become so familiar with them that we become masterful. So interesting. Great. Great. Awesome. Develop that habit. (laughs) Say that again. Um, I should be looking at words more in the same way that you just did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I, I recently, I just made a post on my Instagram about this because it just made me so happy that because in my work coaching people and in my, my own life as well, but I noticed the word come up a lot and the feeling come up that's associated with it, which is I'm weird. You know, I'm, I'm weird. I'm different. People call me weird. I feel weird. I feel like an outsider. And so I just had the thought the other day, I was like, I have a feeling this word has something in it for me. And I went and looked up the etymology. And the, 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 the root of the word weird is from like English weird, W-Y-R-D, which the original meaning of is one who controls their fate. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good one. Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I am. Um, yeah. That's a great I love that. And. Well, based on what you talk about a lot as well, I, I, I thought that made, you know, it makes sense that that word would become a negative word in our society because our society doesn't want people to control their own fate. So, of course, that's going to become an insult. You're weird. Well, thank you for that compliment. Yeah, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's really uh, going to turn things around in my life. On a small scale, maybe a lot, but that belief. I feel like I've carried along with me for many years and now it's like an avenue to transmuting it into something so positive and beautiful. Oh. So thank you. Oh man, such a pleasure. That brings me a lot of joy to hear that. And speaking of joy, uh, do you want to say, I feel like you're about to say something. Oh, I was just going to um, mention, do you have kids? I was just about to ask you about your pregnancy and having a baby. I do not yet have kids. And my lovely lady, Carly, and I are, are seriously talking that like the time is, the time is nigh. So I'm excited. Is that, what, is that Yeah, talk about it. I'm excited. <laughs> it just made me think when you were talking about how um, referencing Joe Dispenza and how 98% of our beliefs are um, habit and this transition from maiden to mother and falling pregnant has like completely shifted my world upside down and I'm realizing how much unlearning needs to be done not learning about birth and learning about childhood and learning about raising children but like unlearning of my own programming and it's like the perfect um I think children and bringing life into this world is like the opportunity to do that because we go so many years of like programming and then you know bring life into this world and then the unprogramming begins and it's just like never ending Mm. so I just wanted to mention that. Beautiful. What do you feel like you're unprogramming or you have unprogrammed? Like what's shifting for you? I first started learning about 
birth itself, birth and labor and how birth has turned into this like medicalized industry that is really profit driven, not necessarily supportive of like women's physiological, like hormonal process for birth. So previously, prior to falling pregnant, all I knew about birth was like the one born every minute, like your water breaks and then there's this big medical emergency and then the doctor needs to come in and like save you and it's like um, turned into this process of really understanding that like birth is actually a non-medical event, birth has been in the care of midwives and women and and we are so <laughs> programmed and I had this personal belief to think that like in order to have a, a, a safe birth or a birth in general I needed to like give my power away to an external resource whereas you know it all comes like we have the ability to birth in our DNA and we've been doing it for thousands of years and and that was like the start of the journey um, reframing how I uh, saw birth and labor and pregnancy and then it phased into like what am I going to be modeling like with my children like what what have I picked up from my childhood and what am I going to repeat what like subconscious behaviors am I like um passing down and like how intentional can I be with like raising this little human because inevitably you're going to um pass down all that you are to this person who's watching so eagerly so yeah it's like my whole world is like the walls are being uh shattered <laughs> <laughs> yo i you're talking about language the word when doctors say i'm i delivered a baby it's like yeah. no you didn't <laughs> yeah it's yeah. Not yeah that's beautiful i i i feel like i've avoided as i've avoided manhood I've, as i've avoided being a man for a lot of my adult life i mean i'm 39 now and i spent most of my, well, all my 20, most of my 20s. I was, tr I started the practice of turning around back towards myself in my mid 20s. And it was been an on off journey ever since. But I really feel like in these last few years, having met Kylie and having deepened into commitment and into, yeah, choosing my life, being like, no one else is responsible for the shit or the beauty that is unfolding. I'm the one who gets to dictate, am I being a king or am I being a, 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 a what's a victim? And so, yeah, I just really feel like children or the opportunity to have a child is is like the next level piece. And my one of my dear friends, James, who lives in the area, he they've got a beautiful son. I just love him so much. He's a epic, epic little dude. And uh, and James was saying, he's like, when I became a father, I it was obviously the hardest thing beyond what you can imagine. And I discovered reserves and parts of myself that I just did not know existed that I could not access until I became a dad. And so, yeah, when I'm hearing you speak, I'm hearing that you are currently, as you say, in that transformation from maiden to mother and, and having to let go of a lot of old stuff. Mm, and how, what a blessing it is to have your priorities change and to go through that transformation and, and take radical responsibility over your entire life and your family and your being and your community. And, and that is freedom. <laughs> you know, it, it, there's this narrative that gets played that like transitioning into this phase of life is like a, a lack of freedom or a loss of freedom but i think it's quite the opposite <laughs> yeah this is well this leads me into the the final question i love to ask you which is when you hear the words we are already free what comes up for you we are already free it is our birthright and 
I think you can access that level of freedom without going anywhere just through the power of your mind and meditation and, and distancing and detaching from the beliefs and the programs that you have ingrained within your being. I also acknowledge that the systems and the environment that we're in aren't necessarily supportive of our freedom. So we are already free. I think it's a bit of the mental and the physical. <laughs> Mentally, we are already free and we can get to that point, but physically there's certainly a game to to finding freedom and a fight to finding freedom in this in this world currently because as optimistic as I am that's why I'm bringing children to the world there are people at the highest level that want freedom and want our control and and there's this like collective <laughs> fight back towards freedom that's being explored through like bitcoin and birth tourism and um police practices and ancestral um health pillars that are like re-emerging and this this sense of freedom um is certainly desired and 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 it feels like there's this fight that's happening right now for freedom and i think that we're all pursuing that path and and ultimately we will win but it does feel a bit in limbo at the moment does that make sense am i being a bit (laughs) (laughs) wishy-washy Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I, it's, I think that's part of the game is that we can't know that the outcome is going to be what it's going to be. Like we, we are facing the potential, I think, the, the end of freedom because we have to face that to be really faced with. It's like uh, I realized recently that, you know, beautiful visions of the future are very attractive and, and motivating. Like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I want to live in a beautiful world. But what really gets humans to take action is feeling the pain, is actually becoming fully aware of how much pain we are in right now and i think it's getting harder and harder to ignore that pain and so that is then the invitation and and part of that pain is we may not ever this like this is a serious thing we may be the slaves to the machine the top-down control a hundred percent within the next 10 years you know like that could happen and so there is a beautiful invitation to be already free now because it's it's time to stop waiting around for that, whatever the outcome ends up being. So I, that's what I get from from what I'm hearing you say. Totally. I think um, it was really confronting to face like the collective amnesia that happened after the pandemic and after the lockdowns were lifted and how quickly people were to like move on from things. Meanwhile, like this extreme surveillance and censorship was like implemented while that big distraction was going on and we can you know meditate and find peace within our own being and you know create alternative communities and like find freedom in those ways but unless we like activate this like warrior spirit and fight back like you don't just want to be sitting in meditation as they go down this path. So, yeah, it's good to hear that a lot of people, oh, oh, I hate the term, you know, waking up, but, you know, more and more people are becoming aware of this and are seeking alternative communities aside from, like, what the mainstream and the narrative and and, and the ploys that they are, uh, are implementing at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, resonate with all that you're saying. Um, the change is near, the change is coming. I feel it. Many, many people feel it and power on. Power on. I, that just made me think of the Power Rangers for some reason. What did, they didn't say power on, I don't think. I can't remember what they said anyway. Um, but so I just had a guest on a few episodes ago, uh, Dougald Hine, and he's written a book called At Work in the Ruins. And he's comes from a lifetime of being an environmentalist. He's one of the people he was involved in um, 
Extinction Rebellion, things like that. And his whole thing now is like, it's time to stop talking about climate change and actually acknowledge that we are at the end of a world, at the end of a society. Like the things are ending and we can, how do we find meaning in the ruins of what was? And I think it's a beautiful, it's a powerful and beautiful thing to acknowledge that we, there's no escaping. There's, we can't go far enough to get away from the pollution. For example, he used an example, which is a sad one, but it's, this is good. It's like, we've got to start having this, like, this meeting, this feeling of intensity around it, I think. Where he's like, these whales, that, this one community that lives in some far place that's, you know, they protected these people and they, they actually hunt whales for their livelihood, for their lives, for their food. That's there. It's been their traditional way. And the whales can't really eat them anymore because their, their flesh is, is becoming toxic. And, and the guy was like, someone was speaking about it and, and a man said, the whales are not toxic. The nature is has become toxic. The nature is poisoned. The ocean is poisoned. And this is a hard thing to, to acknowledge, but we have done this as a society, as a collective. And when we like take this then into quantum physics and how we're all the self-reflecting itself, the power that seems to exist for me in this moment is that you as an individual, me as an individual, and each of us who's listening to this, we can meet that poisonous part of ourselves and we can become friends with that and become come into relationship with that and transmute that as all good alchemists do. And that's where the real transformation happens because there's no escaping ourselves. And so, I don't know, I felt like I was rambling a little there, but I'm curious to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think the climate change one is an interesting topic for sure. Like there's no doubt that we are, um, you know, polluting the earth <laughs> and, and causing a disruption in these natural environments. But I also think that it can be used as a tool to like keep us in a state of fear and ultimately, you know, when not like the human race could completely die out and the earth will still thrive and continue on without us, you know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting because <laughs> I mean I certainly think there's something uh to be said with the way that it's being positioned, like like um how they're using uh, this like fear of climate change as like a tool to keep our collective consciousness down and like there's a lot of people being diagnosed with I don't know if it's like climate depression or something but basically there's like a massive uh, generation of like young people that no longer want to have kids because they think that you know kids are the problem and you know we're overpopulated and then we're causing climate change and like that narrative can certainly play out but that is kind of beside the point that you were trying to make which is like yes we all have the power to make the change and that of course I 100% feel and resonate with. Mm. No it's a good I, I think the words climate change is is uh like with anything it can become loaded I think the empowerment is it's obvious to me I don't need to wonder if if me and my people are having a negative impact overall on the environment around us right now i can see it like i don't have to no one i don't need a scientist out there telling me you know climate change i don't that's too big right here in my local community i can see that we are polluting the rivers and we are killing the oceans and like i can see us doing it so that's the place where i have power to not even i can't make that much change i'm one dude but i can change inside i can find a, a way of a different way of being within myself that includes mourning that includes the loss of mm. of all that has been so that I can make space for what is coming without, as Dougald Hines says, he's like, maybe the old world isn't worth saving. So we've can't, we, if we keep thinking we can go back somewhere, we're denying ourselves the opportunity to witness the birth that is trying to happen right now. And I think mm. there's something beautiful in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's only one way forward, really. I think um, yeah. it's uh, blissful ignorance to think that we can go back to anything the way that anything was. I think we can learn from the past, but, you know, the future is there and it is what we essentially make make of it and and all of those woo-woo washy. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, true. That do ring true. <laughs> Yeah, that's why the hero's journey exists, you know, like there's a reason for that is that we are all in the hero's journey and there, there is redemption within that st- arc. There has to be redemption within the, the, the story of the hero who confronts the worst darkness and faces absolute defeat. Um, that's, that's the narrative we're currently playing out. So again, thank you so much, Shannon. I've deeply enjoyed your, your presence and I really, more than anything, I, I just appreciate the joy that you, you bring, the fact that you can you can do fun stuff and, and that that can be enough. At least that's what it's, I, when I see that, I see that I can do fun stuff and that can be enough. And then that's beautiful. And I really want more of that in my life and, and for all of us, because you know, fuck it, we are infinity experiencing itself. We might as well have fun. Um, so yeah, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for holding space and allowing me the, yeah, the time and space to, to connect with you and, and you're hopefully your audience and hopefully mine and yeah what a beautiful opportunity this was <laughs> thank you again to shannon michaela for your presence on the we are already free podcast you can find links to shannon information on the retreats she hosts in costa rica and many of the things we talk about at alreadyfree.me 38 that's also where you'll find a link to the Patreon, where you can access bonus conversations with guests, get a personal shout out on the podcast, and many other lovely perks. Thank you for valuing this podcast as much as I do. In this episode, we covered prioritizing fun, birth tourism, Bitcoin, sovereignty, and much more. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And please be sure to share. Thank you for being here with me, dear listener. I love being me with you. And together we are remembering that we are already free. I'll see you soon. And please reach out if you have any thoughts or feelings to share at alreadyfree.me slash 38. Until next time, I'm Nathan Mayengard, checking out and wishing you blessings on the path.